Welcome Pineview and all of you on Facebook Live. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for who you are. Draw us closer to you, to each other, and bless this Bible study. Cause your word to uh, just go into our hearts and our minds and, and that we would be submitted to you and your word in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. What are you building? I want to shut this down before it goes off on me. Okay. What are you building? This is lesson two. Subject is repentance. Lesson two of the doctrines of Christ. Joel 2 and 17 tells the ministers and the priests to weep between the porch and the altar. The place prior to entering into the holy place. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The altar where the sacrifice is, is, is killed and the holy place where the seven churches, the seven golden candlesticks are and the table of showbread, the bread of life, the church. This is the place Satan desires to corrupt. The leadership and the priests need to weep between that porch and the altar. Are you praying? Because the Bible says that you're a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. Are you weeping between the porch and the altar? This series is sometimes uh, uh, something that a lot of people don't want to listen to. The foundation, the simple things of God's word. Uh, and yet the world, this is the first thing that they need. This is the first thing that we need to understand and we need to comprehend. The devil, traditions, and pride causes many to reject this. Don't want to be involved with this. And I've, I've been in church for 50 years. I know people that have come to this church and they came from another organization and they really needed the first principles. But because I'm mature, that's what they thought, they rejected coming to a class like this on the foundations of the doctrine of Christ. And really, they needed to be in the class because those same people had problems with, oh, I don't know, baptism, it's not important, or I don't know about the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues, or those kind of things. And so we need this foundation first before we can leave the... Uh, Um, 
the area where the altar is and the court, the outer court, before we can go into the holy place. We need to have all those things taken care of. These truths are called the first principles of the oracles of God. Elementary teachings, the beginning, the basics of the word of God. They are called the foundation, foundational truths. Now, if, if you ever had to build a foundation, you've got to clear the land, you've got to remove the rocks, you've got to remove the trees before you can dig a foundation and pour in your foundation and make it a, a solid for a building to be up on it. You've got to clear it all out. And we need to repent first. We need to clear our land. We need to get that straightened out first. They're called the fundamental truths in the milk of God's word. In Hebrews 5 and 12 and 6 and 2, it says, For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as of need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. This not only is telling us to grow up, but it's letting us know that these things should be settled in our hearts and minds. We should know them inside and out. Uh, this stuff is the easiest to digest. It's the milk of God's word. The next verse goes on and says, leaving the principles, let us go on unto perfection. And many people uh, look at uh, verse, forget the, verse 12, for when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again. They, they capitalize on that, leaving the principles. Go on unto perfection. And so, we need to first learn the foundation. We should first hear that and teach that. Not just hear it, not just... Because if you don't teach it, you're going to lose it. Hebrews goes on to say, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, faith toward God of the doctrines of baptisms, the laying out of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And again, you ought to be teachers. You have need that one teach you again. And this is who he was talking to, this church. And then he goes on and he lists seven things that are the foundation of the doctrine of Christ. Repentance from dead works. Faith toward God. The doctrine of baptisms with an S. That would be water baptism and Holy Spirit baptism. Three and four. Five, laying out of hands. Six, resurrection of the dead. Seven, eternal judgment. There are seven things here. Proverbs 9 and 1 says wisdom hath builded her house, she hath hewn out her seven pillars. The wisdom from above, Jesus Christ said, I will build my church, 
and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Standards are not here. There are preachers that I have heard want to say that standards are foundational. They're not here. And a lot of other things they want to say are foundational. But this is the foundation of the doctrine of Christ. Repentance, faith, baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. These are the doctrines of Christ, the oracles of God. In Luke 13, 1 through 3, Jesus is talking and he says, There were present at that season some that told him of the Galileans who, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all Galileans? Because they suffered such things? I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Repent or perish? Every one of us needs to repent. Do you know that it is sin that caused Jesus Christ to hang on the tree? Your sin. Going through the Old Testament, you see people commanded to take a lamb and to slay it because of their sin. They had to lay their hands on the head of it and the animal was killed and blood was thrown all over the place because of that person's sin. The Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, died because of your sin. It was not the Romans, it was not the Jews, it was my sin and your sin that caused Jesus Christ to hang on that cross. The world looks at all the Old Testament killing of animals and thinks, how pagan, how barbaric, slaughtering these animals and throwing that blood all over the place. But they fail to realize that God was saying something to a fallen world. You see, God hides things so that only people who are seeking will find. A long time ago, this happened. Genesis 3, 4 and 5, in the very beginning. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that, the, that in the days ye eat thereof, then your eyes will be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. You know, Satan was really saying, God don't love you. Why? If you eat of this tree, you're going to be like him. So God designed a plan. First, Mankind needs to understand sin and its ramifications. Man works by the sweat of his brow, all because Adam and Eve ate of the tree. Women suffer in childbirth. Cain's family struggles to make ends meet because he slays Abel, his brother. 
Ham's descendants become servants because Ham looked on his father's nakedness. The sword would not depart from David's house because he had slept with Bathsheba and killed Uriah. But thank God for a long-suffering God, for it took David a year to say, I've sinned. Create in me a clean heart. Renew in me a right spirit. Wash me thoroughly. Cleanse me from all of this, Lord. All because of sin. This, this created, all this stuff was because of sin. And sin brings its own troubles, its own curses. Jesus said, sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. And so there were these sacrifices that demanded blood for the remission of sins. For the Lord had put it in his word. In Hebrews 9 and 22, it says this, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sin. He did this for a purpose. The sacrifices in the Old Testament were just a shadow of something that was to happen. The creator of all things became one of the created and made himself a lamb. The father of all things became one of the sons, one of the humans the created humans, and sin showed up to kill him. And love let sin show its true, ugly self to prove once and for all, this is how much I love you. Romans 5 and 8. But God commendeth, demonstrates, his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So Jesus, the Lamb of God, for sinners slain, the Creator showing us how far He will go for you, for me, and anyone else. Sinners that His grace will overtake if they will allow it. So when you repent, God does this, Psalms 103 and 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. He does not look at our past. He looks at our right now. And the Old Testament is filled with, I'll blot it out. I'll cover you with a cloud. Okay, so looking at repentance, you need to consider several things, especially in light of today and the age we're living in. Sin, what is it? Uh, what is it that needs to be repented of? Romans 7 and 7 says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. So, the Old Testament... The law 
is important. It's not something that we should throw away. It's something that we should dig into. Sin is not only the transgression of the law, but a transgression of God's word. Doing things your way instead of God's. Sins of omission and sins of commission. Things you should do as well as things that you should not do. All unrighteousness is sin. In James 4 and 17 it says, To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin. Romans 14, 23, For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So there are a lot of things that we need to consider about what sin is. Confession and forsaking. 1 John 1, 8 and 10. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And that's before verse 8 that's up there. Or verse 9, excuse me, that's up there. And that makes me think of Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And going on in verse 9, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and the word is not in us. So he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins when we confess our sins to him. And he will forgive and cleanse us. But you have to do something. You have to confess. Romans 7, the latter part of Romans 7, it talks about a wrestling, the flesh against the spirit. In Ephesians 6, it talks about putting on the whole armor of God. We have a sword, we have a shield, we have breastplate of righteousness. Why? Because we're in a battle with sin. Latter part of Romans 7 says, When I desire to do good, evil is present with me. Israel, in the Old Testament, fought a lot of fights. And some of them died in the fight. We have a war that is taking place with sin and Satan. Paul tells the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. That's Acts 26 and 20. So it is not works like some people would like to, to say it is, that it's works that we need to repent of, but it's dead works that we need to repent of. It's talking about sin. It's not talking about works of the law. And then there's forgiveness. Judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Brokenness before God isn't going to judge others and look at others. Uh, do you think unforgiveness is unrighteousness? What about judging and condemning? So let's take a deeper look. Sin is described as leaven, something that spreads, it multiplies, it infects. 
It corrupts the mass. 1 Corinthians 5 and 6 and Galatians 5 and 9 will tell you that. In 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11 in the complete Jewish Bible, it reads it this way. Don't you know that unrighteous people will have no share in the kingdom of God? Don't delude yourselves. People who engage in sex before marriage, who worship idols, who engage in sex after marriage with someone other than their spouse, who engage in active or passive homosexuality, who steal, who are greedy, who get drunk, who assail people with contemptuous language, who rob, none of them will share in the kingdom of God. Remember, the New Testament has not been written when Paul wrote this. He was digging into the Old Testament and he found some scripture that he needed to share with the Corinthian church because they were having problems. So there are a lot of things elsewhere in the Old Testament that we need to dig into because we might need to hear them. Hosea 10 and 12 says, Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground. For, it's, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. Remember I said in order to build a foundation you got to clean up the ground while well, we need to dig up the fallow ground so that the word of God, the seed, can be planted in our heart. Confession and forsaking. 2 Peter 3 and 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Long-suffering of God. Not willing that any. God wants everyone to repent. All should come to repentance. He has promises for us. We learned that the priest, after entering into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise, Psalms 100 verse 4, are to weep between the porch and the altar. The altar is not an altar unless there's a sacrifice on it. It's being consumed by fire. Romans 6 and 2 says, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? You're supposed to be dead. You're supposed to be on that altar. Romans 12 and 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Is your flesh on the altar? Are you dead to sin? Are you letting God clean you with the Holy Ghost and fire? You cannot go on to the porch, into the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, until you have accomplished this dying. When we come to church, if we haven't gone to the prayer room or, or found a spot to pray and get things right, we're going to miss out a lot. We need to be at every service. Repented before service starts. 
talking to the Lord about our failures this past week or, or that day so that we can ready ourselves to receive his word and his spirit. When the palace guards at Windsor, Windsor march and they come to their end and they go to, to turn around, one yells, repent, because it's their about face. In Hebrews 6, it says, repentance from dead works and faith toward Jesus Christ, faith toward God. So turn from sin and turn to God. That's what we're supposed to do. In 2 Corinthians 7, 10 and 11, it says, For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. For behold, this selfsame thing that ye sorrowed after a godly sort, what carefulness it wrought in you. Yea, what clearing of yourselves. Yea, what indignation. You're disgusted and you hate what you had done. Yea, what fear. Yea, what vehement desire. Yea, what zeal. Yea, what revenge. In all things ye have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. Sorrow is not repentance. It's only when it's godly sorrow. Work at it. The scripture tells us the books will be opened and we will be judged by what is written in the books. Anthony, will you come here and help me with something? Okay, I've got a scale here. We're going to be judged. Pick up that verse of the scripture right there. That's uh, Hebrews 10.25 and put it in this, in this, on this scale. Just pretend. <laughs> Okay, Hebrews 10, 28. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Some people's scale looks like this. Pick up uh, uh, forgiveness there and put it in that other one. Uh, oh, that's, that's sorry. Uh, oh. Uh, pick pick the, that other one up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there we go. You need a about face. Okay, thank you. In order to get where we got to go, we need an about face on our sin. Forgiveness. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. Some of us have allowed our flesh to get off the altar. You're not going into the holy place until you forgive. Are you holding grudges? Backbiting? Speaking evil? Causing division? Do you know that sin? Romans 14.4 Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Colossians 3.13, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. If ye forgive, I will. Then there are those who think their sin is just 
unforgivable. It's over the top. It's affected too many people. It's beyond the boundary of God's grace. You are not focused on God, his love, his grace. You are focused on your sin. When all Israel was cowering in the holes because of this giant Goliath, David come along and he didn't look at the giant. He looked at the fact that the giant was talking bad about God. His God. And so David said, I'll take him out. And he says, you come with me, you come against me with sword and shield, with power and might and strength. And, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. You talk about bigger. <laughs> you little peon. That's what David was looking at. He's looking at his God. He wasn't looking at the giant. Too many times we look at the giant. We need to look at our God. So get your eyes fixed on the word. Romans 5 and 20. Moreover, the law entered that offenses might abound. It's, that's what the law was for. To, for us to realize and see it and recognize it. More, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Fix your eyes on that. Fix your eyes on this, God's love, God's multitude of tender mercies that are renewed every morning. God's loving kindness. So, I'm going to give you a little testimony. Back in 69 and 70, that guy up there is me. You, the guy ain't up there? What happened to our... Is it up there yet? Is the slide projector working? <laughs> okay. So after high school and a year in college, I started experimenting with marijuana and progressed into hallucinogenics and more. I experienced the so-called love trip, which was a mental journey of who is to say what is right and what is wrong about anything. Maybe a little too simplified, but that's basically what it was. It was really subtly a uh, searing of God's word from my heart. The establishment. They called it the establishment. I thought to enhance this trip, I should turn to the Bible because the establishment, my family, the experiences that I had younger always told me that the Word of God was where love was at. The result of that was bad vibes. <laughs> and I became what the drug world calls schizoid. I didn't have my stuff together. For the Bible introduced a warring of my flesh with the stuff Satan was trying to get rid of in the drug culture, the Word of God. 
had something opposing whatever feels good. And that philosophy reminds you is what has brought up a lot of the psychology that is the new age psychology that is running around today. So be careful what you go to to get straightened out. Come to church. That's the place to go. Coming down the steps of the Grandy Ballroom after a concert, I was tripping. I don't remember on what, but I had a thought. You've just been worshiping the devil. Another time, I was having a bad trip, and we were in this little, I don't remember what it was, a little building that this rock and roll group was up there, and they didn't even fit in our kind of ballpark, but they were, they were the ones that were entertaining us. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they threw their wigs off and they started singing, Amen, Amen. And mind you, when, when I started hearing about Jesus, that bad trip that I was on, all of a sudden, dropped. Miraculously. I was straight. And shortly after that, I ended up having to move to Ann Arbor. I lived in the downriver area, so that was quite a distance from my, my home turf. And I started working at the new hospital. So I was away from my friends, and the only thing I had was my Bible. And one day I read Luke 13, 21, Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. I comprehended that I had to go after God with everything I had. Having a Bible in my home, but not reading it, going through memorized prayers, attending some place to worship occasionally, just believing did not make me a Christian, though that's what I had previously thought. I had to make some changes. And then one night I was reading the 11th chapter of 1 Corinthians about male and female, honor and dishonor, long hair and short hair, and cutting. Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? And so I cut my hair. And I shaved my beard. I had to get rid of some magazines. I had to change my speech. And then I read in Galatians 5, 19 and 21. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, for several years, before I had smoked my first joint, I had been going driving up and down State Street to visit friends at U of M and driving up and down 
uh, Grove or wherever to go to EMU to visit friends there. And I noticed over a period of time that I was seeing things like tarot card readers popping up and seances and witches being advertised and never wasn't like that at the beginning. It was over a five-year period during this drug culture that was going on. And so because of that, I wondered what in the world is Galatians here talking about witchcraft? So I got a strong concordance and I looked up the word witchcraft. In the Greek, it's pharmakia, drugs. And of course, this isn't drugs like a medicine. Proverbs 17.22 says, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. But rather, drugs associated with magic and sorcery, witchcraft. And then Revelations 21 and 8, But the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the whoremongers, and sorcerers. Pharmakias, another word for drugs. Drug spells and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So I quit taking drugs. Started reading my Lutheran catechism, going to an Episcopal church on Sundays and attending the Word of God community at St. Mary's Catholic Church and doing the classes that they suggested I do. Listening to a Baptist preacher, Oliver B. Green, and James Beale, a pastor from Bethesda Church in Detroit. Call me naive, but I did not expect to be there to be so much differences in these Christian belief systems. But I found out the Baptist preacher said I was not. If I was not buried in water, I wasn't baptized. And the Word of God community said, Oh, you were baptized as a baby. You don't need to be rebaptized again. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. And the Episcopal preacher, he didn't care anyway. Didn't care what I did. I had to find out for myself. What does the Bible say? I had to repent of my religion had to do some different things than my family and friends. Had to believe in something different than what they were believing in. I had to trust in God's word. Had to deal with a little ridicule. Carl, aren't you getting a little carried away? Then I read this, 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 3. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. There it was. I saw that happening in the drug culture people that were getting on this love trip and wanting to remove God's word and just do whatever feels good, you know? Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from beats. 
And then I read this one. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, not godlike, not taking on any of God's characteristics, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, no control, no self-control, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such turn away, for of this sort are they which creep into houses, and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers lusts, ever learning all kinds of college buildings out there, education galore, ever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. I recognize my generation in this. I recognize me in this. And this did not always exist, but in the last days, this exists. I had to run in the other direction. Paul went on to the churches preaching this, Acts 26 and 20. But showed first unto them at, of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coasts of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. Remember, Jesus said, repent or perish. Acts 20, 29 and 31. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. About 2,000 years ago, Paul spoke those words besides telling us that the Lord was soon to return. He did not know when the end was coming. The Lord had told them, you won't know the time, only the Father knows the time. How many of you believe he's coming soon? Yes. If he comes tonight, will he find the church ready and white, full of faith, loving one another? In Matthew 25, 1 through 4 and verse 12, the short version of this, then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. And to the foolish, he said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. 
And of course, you know the story, I think. When the Lord came, it was only those that were wise that went. Paul warned, Peter warned, James warned, and Jesus warned. Leviticus 26. This is really a hack job on the 26th chapter, but if you ever get a chance to look at 26 and consider what I'm trying to project here. If ye walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them, then I will give you rain in due season. And he goes on talking about all the blessings that will come upon you. And then verse 14, but if ye will not hearken unto me, verse 16, I will even appoint over you terror and other things that come upon them. And then verse 18, if ye will not yet for all this hearken unto me, then I will punish you. And more things come upon them. And then verse 21, and if you will walk contrary unto me and will not hearken unto me, I will and continue with more. And if he will not be reformed by, by me, by these things, but will walk contrary unto me, then I will also walk contrary unto you, and more. And if he will not, for all this, hearken unto me, and more. But if he will confess your iniquity, yet for all that, after you've blown it, after you're in the land of bondage, Yet, I will not cast you away. But I will for their sakes remember my covenant. If you'll just turn, if you'll just repent, if you'll just call, the Lord is long-suffering. And he cares about us more than we care about ourselves. He didn't have to fast 40 days. He was doing it for you. He was doing it for me. God hates sin, but he is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. This shows us how God is trying to correct Israel, spanking them. Come on, get right, get right. And on and on they go. But we are created with our own will. We, can, we have a choice. John 8, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses, in the law, commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. For when they continued, so they con when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast the first stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Now, I personally believe I know what he wrote on the ground. Because here they are talking to the word of God. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. Okay, so they're talking to the word. And I think he said, he wrote on the ground, 
either bring the man and the woman, or where is the man? Because you look at the law, she was caught in the very act. But then, verse 10, when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are thou thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. If we will repent, that's where it's at, right there. He won't condemn us. And then he goes on and go and sin no more. So turn from that and turn to God. James 2 and 13. For he shall have judgment without mercy that hath showed no mercy. And mercy rejoiceth against judgment. Peter asked Jesus, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say unto thee, until set, not, not, unto, not unto thee, until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Now, if the Lord's going to forgive, or tell you to forgive like that, he's forgiven like that, and more, because his ways are higher than ours. We need to get our eyes on that mother hen in the barnyard, that's Jesus with his wings expanded and the storms raging. And he's telling all the chicks, come on, get under my wings. Come on. I'll protect you. I'll cover you. We need to look at the repair of the breach. You've caused a breach with your sin. He'll repair it. Look to him. Call upon his name. He's the healer of our backslidings. If you've fallen away, come back. God cares. Look to the eternal God, the omnipotent God, that is full of a multitude of tender mercies that are renewed every morning for you. Look to him whose grace abounds much more than our abounding sin. God bless. I hope this has blessed you. Have a wonderful night. In Jesus' name.